Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and goodbye. And welcome, Sarah Ellen. Justine is finally on the way back to Costa Rica. Oh, wow. Safe travels, Justine. Yes, they're going to be driving down to Florida 
and then from Florida across the southern part of the United States, are planning to stop in New Orleans, mm-hmm. which I always call the armpit of America. And uh, then uh, um, we have family, my sister and her daughter and her, her children live in Austin, so they're going to stop there. And then my friend Betsy in Tucson, they're going to stop there. And, of course, they're going to go to Yosemite and Big Bend and Painted Desert and all those fun American parks because we live in a beautiful, beautiful continent. Mm-hmm. They will, they will, of course, not be able to go any further than the Pacific Ocean. And since they're that far south, they'll wind up in California. And um, then they will fly from there to Costa Rica because sense has prevailed. And too many of us have said you cannot drive through Mexico and, and, and Guatemala and, and Nicaragua. You just can't do that. So they're flying. Hooray. Yay. 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 And other good news of the week, I finally planted the last of the bulbs. Oh, no. Nice. All 400 bulbs are in the ground. Woo-hoo! Ooh, what a beautiful spring awaits. <laughs> Indeed. Oh. Monica Jean and her friend Robin, and the two of them used to come over here every Friday. We had little girls at the farm, and then, of course, <clears throat> they became not little girls anymore. So it was nice mm. to have them back to do some work and to get those bulbs planted. And... I said to Monica Jean, ah, you should be home. They're going to be back in April. I said, you should be home just at the right time to see these bloom. Mm-hmm. And well, even more so yeah. than see them, smell them, because we planted fragrant narcissus. Oh, yum, yum. Yeah. <laughs> nom, nom. <laughs> what have you been up to this week? Oh, and before yeah. I ask you what you've been up to, I want to let everybody know that you are our guest this evening, so we're going to get to hear a lot more about about what. Do you have a topic you're going to talk about this evening? Well, I figured we could just put it out there. Um, I shared with uh, you know behind the scenes helpers that I'm I'm open um, ancestral stuff or just um, like body stuff, whatever whatever floats your boat. I'm open. <laughs> All right, we'll see what the theme of the evening is and take off from there. That'll be fun. Nice. (laughs) I'm Um, continuing to work on the Comfrey Conference, really looking forward, um, envisioning a Comfrey Forum where anyone can submit a video of any length uh, talking about their experience with Comfrey. So as part of the company Uh, conference, the dedicated Facebook page, which is the Comfrey Forum, which is just a place to go and hear people's stories about Comfrey. Oh, how robust. I love that inclusion. That is beautiful. People's medicine. How lovely. People's medicine. So if somebody just, you know, wants to talk for a minute, that's fine. If they want to talk for five or ten minutes, that's fine, too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it has gotten cold here. I don't know what you are like temperature-wise, but our ground is now officially frozen, I believe. it's um, We had some single digits, and 
feels like than the minuses today. So, Oh, wow. We have not had anything near that cold. As a matter of fact, it was 40 today. And mm. I dug Ella campaign root this weekend and made a tincture. Oh, nice. Nice. Yep. I got, I think, the last of our digging done last week. So I, I, we're hey, still warm up a little bit. I don't know. The ground felt pretty solid today. Well, those yeah. single-digit temperatures do get it hard, it's for sure. Yes, yes. Amazing difference from today versus last week when I was still able to easily move the wood chip pile around and do some things with that that I wanted to do. So it's it's cold here now. Winter is upon us. <laughs> you may remember a month or so back I talked about baking sage salt. Mm-hmm. Someone had given me a, a big bouquet of beer garden sage. And the leaves are much rounder and softer than the regular salvia officinalis, and actually much better for eating. And I dried it. Well, it kind of dried on its own and Mm -hmm. plucked the leaves off the stalks and ground them up with some salt. And so I have sage salt that I can put on things. We were eating um, last night, Justine and family um, were eating here, and I made roasted vegetables which I did, you know, with olive oil and with the sage salt. Uh, we had sweet potatoes and parsnips and carrots and onions and apples, all mm-hmm. kinds of good things on our vegetables with mm-hmm. olive oil and sage salt. And Justine said, oh, the sage salt you gave me, I kept in the car. She said, in any time I had to go out, like, into a store or something like that, come back, I would eat a little sage salt, and I felt like it really protected me from infection. Oh, how wise. I love that. Isn't that a great idea? It's a great idea and so easy to travel with. So she, I bet, had at least that at her disposal to take with her. Imagine she did. Wow, that's fabulous. Oh, she said she used it all up. She ate it all. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Refill, refill. Refill, refill. Yeah, well, I some of that uh, beer garden sage, I did root and I did stick it in the garden. So hopefully next year I'll be able to make a lot more. What a great idea! I love it, love it. And I I've imagine been making you could do that. Shiso salt for years. Any aromatic dried herb ground really fine with salt is a fabulous condiment and another way to get more herbs in your diet. Mhm. Love it. Do we have anybody with any questions yet tonight? Oh, so we have lots of people dialed into the queue. I'll remind everyone if you have a question for Susan this evening. Please press 1 so that we know that you would like to come on and ask your question. I do not see anyone with their hand raised at this time. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, we do have a caller now from the 302 area code. So from the 302, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to ask you this question. I um, Currently, I'm 
recovering from breast cancer um, surgery and treatment, and I have been so blessed to own a copy of your book that has given me all that I needed to protect myself and take care of myself on this journey. And I've just come up with a, with an issue this past um, two weeks where I um, have been feeling some pain. And in your book, you mentioned using skullcap tincture um, drops. And I just wanted to get some more uh, for pain and um, to be able to um, overcome um, an insomnia issue that I'm having due to some of the medications I'm having to take. So I wanted to find out um, when tell I me, was... Could you tell me a little bit about the medications that you're having to take? Yes, I'm taking an aromatase inhibitor. And mm-hmm. um, all I and do you have, to, have to take that because? Because my um, cancer is uh, is a... Uh, it's a hormone uh, positive. Uh, got, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's characteristic for a hormone positive, so they want to make sure that nothing, um, they block all the estrogens uh, from uh, take, um, regrowing or having the cancer go anywhere else in my body uh, for a period of time. So the surgery was not successful? They didn't remove the cancer? They removed it, but... Um, and then I had to have radiation, um, which I had, and then... Um, you had to have radiation? Yes. Because? Because there was one portion of it um, where they wanted to make sure that all the cancer cells were gone. And then, so their surgery wasn't successful? They were incompetent? They got majority of it, I would say. Well, the majority of it isn't good enough, is it? Uh, just, you know, it, it's very aggravating to me. I see it's not aggravating to you, but it's very aggravating to me that women are told have to do things to permanently impair their health because of their ineptitude. It's not like they're saying, we want you to do radiation because it will make you healthier. It's not like they're saying, please take this amaro taste inhibitor because you will thrive when you're taking it. They're basically saying, we kind of didn't do it well enough, so we need you to mess yourself up with these therapies. So I I personally never think that any of us have to do anything. We always have a choice. And I would be happier if you would simply say that you've chosen to do those things. Because right now, you sound like a victim, like somebody's forcing you. I had to have radiation. I have to take these drugs. Do you hear what I'm hearing? Yes. So I have chosen to do this um, by uh, but also using... Um, complementing this with um, herbs as well as um, an incredible um, all-organic diet. And um, however... Organic diet is rather like locking the barn after the horse has left, right? Excuse me? 
An organic diet is rather like locking the barn when the horse has already escaped. Well, I was already eating organic, and that's just how I eat. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You can have an incredible organic diet. That's great. I'm not against it, but it's not going to do much of anything for you. I met a woman who grew up on an organic farm, only ever in her life ate organic food, was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 32. It's not a magic, it's not a magic remedy, organic, eating organically. Well, at least you're limiting the toxins that are in your body. That's how I see it. And nourish, giving you Maybe you are and maybe you aren't. Organically grown means it is grown organically. There are no standards about what's done to it afterwards. Organically grown things can be sprayed with fungicides. There are many non-organic things that no chemicals are used on at all. Like avocados. Yes. And organic apples use copper sulfate, which builds up in the soil, water, air in your body. And non-organic apples don't. So what I'm saying is, good. Eat organic, but it's not going to do anything. It's not necessarily helpful to prevent or to treat. It's fine. I have nothing against it, but it's not important. What's important is to eat whole foods. And the reason that I'm going on about this is because I've met quite a few people who don't eat enough fruits and vegetables because they can't afford to buy enough organic fruits and vegetables. And I'd rather see people get their 10 servings a day. And if they can get organic, fine. And if they can't, it doesn't matter. And partly it doesn't matter because what's really important in terms of organic are things like butter, olive oil, nuts, grains, beans. And many people who eat organically don't bother to get butter or olive oil organically because they're very expensive. And yet the fats, especially when it comes to breast cancer, are critical. Now, I'm all for adequate fat in the diet. And like Sally Fallon, you know, I'm all for a third, a third, a third, a third protein, a third carbohydrate, and a third fat. However, the evidence on ultra-low-fat diets after breast cancer treatment basically show that it's more effective than radiation, more effective than the drugs you're taking. Are you aware of that research with ultra-low-fat diet? I, I, um, I... I, I eat um, I eat my fats. I do eat my fats um, for sure, and they are all organic. Good. Are you familiar with the research showing that women, especially with your kind of breast cancer, who do an ultra-low-fat diet do better than women who take the drugs you're talking about? 
No, I'm not familiar with that research. You should be able to find it. All right, you want research papers? Again, doctors aren't going to tell you this. They want to sell you drugs. They want to sell you treatments. They don't want you to know that there are a lot of studies that, that show that radiation after surgery can be more harmful than a low-fat diet, for instance. And I mean really low-fat, like 5% fat. Five percent? Yes. Ultra low fat diets. Wow. Wow, yeah. What are the side effects of the drugs that you decided to take? Um, pain, and that's why I was looking at, um, it just started right now in terms of, um, the the pain um a joint pain um and um pain in my um in my bones so because I, you know the drug you're taking works on your entire body right yes so how much of your breast are we talking about where there might be cancer or as one oncologist put it to me, basically what we're doing with cancer and drugs is we open the front door and pour in five gallons of wax, hoping it will get to the kitchen. You're taking a drug that is destroying estrogen everywhere in your body, which is going to harm your joints, harm your bones, harm your brain. Because they weren't able to surgically remove all of your cancer? Because you're afraid that they weren't able to? Because they've made you afraid? I understand. You can take drugs to deal with this pain, but maybe you don't, or herbs to deal with this pain, but maybe you don't need this drug. I encourage you to look into it. I had a very similar conversation with my aunt who decided after her breast cancer to take a drug. And 10 years later, I sat by her bed and said goodbye to her as she died from the failure of her pancreas caused by that drug. Wow. It's not your only choice. How frightened are you? Are you going to be going back for follow-up? Are you, think, are you going to be doing scans? Are you doing a, a drug and radiation because you never want to have to have another scan or another mammogram? I do minimal scans. And, um, but nonetheless, doctor, you're doing them. Yeah, but my, uh, my doctor doesn't... Um, he, he also doesn't want any, um, agrees with that uh, philosophy. And by minimal, what do you mean? Maybe once every two years. 
and only if and then the only caveat is if there's something that's going on mm-hmm. then one then that's it so no mammograms very 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 rarely yes mhm mhm <clears throat> what stage was your cancer lymph node involvement was there? Um, none, thank God. Mm-hmm. You're being overtreated. You're being violently overtreated. And you can do you can do all the complementary herbs in the world. And please do. But they're not gonna save you from the effects of these drugs, as you see. You've been doing complementary medicines. So here's the real issue. Breast cancers don't eat all estrogens. Human women make 30 different kinds of estrogen. Breast cancers eat one of them. Have you looked into seaweed's ability to draw down estrogen in the veil, in the body? Seaweed? Yes. Seaweed is a tremendous way to reduce the overall estrogen load. But specifically, the estrogen that breast cancer cells eat. Things like beans astragalus, red clover, all of which are in the same family, contain constituents which the body can use to make estrogens that the cancer can't eat. Well, I do eat beans tremendously, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Astragalus and red clover do it even better than the beans. And how, how much do they reduce the estrogen by? I did not say they reduce the estrogen. I said beans, astragalus, and red clover contain constituents that allow the body to make estrogens that the cancer can't eat. Okay. Just like tamoxifen. Oh no, I Tamoxifen I I, I, re- I refuse estrogen. I refuse that um tamoxifen completely. I would I wouldn't even go down that road with the tamoxifen at all. Because that was one of but the But what I'm saying is tamoxifen is estrogen. That's what it is. And beans, astragalus, or red clover are like natural tamoxifen. Rather than taking away the estrogen from your entire body, they do what wise woman tradition wants done, which is to nourish the other estrogens that the cancer can't eat. When I'm with a group, I ask someone to be a breast cancer cell someone to be 
estradiol, the estrogen that breast cancer eats, and someone to be the other 29 estrogens. And scientifically, the other estrogens are called short path estrogens and the one that cancer eats is called a long path estrogen. So I have them do a race, but the estradiol has to stand twice as far away from the breast cancer cell. So when they race, the short path estrogens, right? They get to the breast cancer cell first, but the breast cancer cell can't eat them. What happens then when the thing it wants to eat arrives? It can't get in. Because the other estrogens are blocking it. Okay. Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions at this point? Yes, I have been. Um, the nettle. Good, including red clover. I haven't been doing the red clover, but I should. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Um, I haven't done that. Probably infusion. the most important one for you. Because I've been doing the nettle. I've been doing fennel. I've been doing. Um, I'm sorry, what did you say after nettle? Fennel. Fennel seed tea. No! No! Why? Fennel tea, not infusion. The tea, sorry. Wait a second, how are you making your nettle infusion? In, um, with the, with water and, um, the uh, stinging nettle, the, just the, mm-hmm. the loose. Yes, the loose and then letting it sit. How for, much of the loose stinging nettle are you using? At least um, two tablespoons. You're not making an infusion at all. You're not drinking nourishing herbal infusions. Why? You're drinking teas. Teas hard to count. What should I be doing? It's like if I boiled a carrot in water and drank half a cup of that water and said I had carrots for dinner. I didn't, did I? No. To make a nourishing herbal infusion, you weigh out one ounce of the herbs, stinging nettle, red clover, not fennel, not anything that has a smell. You put Not that anything a, that has what? A smell. Okay. No chamomile, no mint, no fennel. Okay. You can have those as teas if you want it as a tea, which is what you're making, a tea. But I'm telling you how to make a nourishing herbal infusion. The nettle tea you're making, a cup of that has about 5 milligrams of calcium. The nettle infusion that I'm instructing you how to make, a cup has 250 milligrams of calcium. Okay. One ounce. Do you use ounces or do you use grams? Ounces. One ounce by weight. It's not a volume measurement, it's a weight measurement. One ounce by weight of stinging nettle, oat straw, comfrey leaf, red clover, linden. Those are the five I rotate through. In a quart jar, fill it to the top, boiling water, put a lid on it, and let it steep a minimum of four hours. Oh, wow, okay. You are not making nourishing herbal infusions. You're making teas. Wow, four hours. At least four hours. I usually let mine steep overnight. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You see, minerals are the most important thing that you need to get from your food. 
vitamins. I mean, all food, even if you're eating pizza, you're getting vitamins. Plants make vitamins to protect themselves. It's really hard not to get vitamins, but it's pretty easy to not get enough minerals. And most people won't cook their fruits and vegetables enough to get any minerals from them. You eat cooked greens like collards and kale? Yes, a lot. And how long do you cook them for? I cook them for at least um, five, ten minutes. <laughs> you might as well put it under your pillow. You're getting zero nutrition. Why? Minerals are metals. Tell me how easy it is to move a mineral. They are locked they are locked into the plants. They're very difficult to move. In order to get any minerals from your cooked greens, they must be cooked for a minimum of one hour. One hour? Yes. Wow. Wow. You are malnourishing yourself, basically. Oh, my goodness. There's no vegetable that I eat that's not cooked for at least an hour. So are you making it almost like a soup or a, are you swimming? Not a soup. I'm not sending them for swimming lessons. Why would you put so much water in it? I put I do a lot of kale or collards at one time. I have a big pot that holds about three gallons. I rinse and chop my kale or my collards. I leave the stalk in the collards. I take it off the kale. It just doesn't cook up. It stays tough when I feed it to the rabbits. So I have rinsed, chopped kale or collards, fill my pots at the top, and put one inch of water in the bottom, bring it to a boil, and cook it for at least an hour, two or three if I have the time. There's no liquid at all left when I'm done. Wow. Parents are here for workshops and we serve lunch and we serve cooked vegetables and their children come back for seconds, thirds, and fourths on things like kale and turnips. And the parents say, they won't even eat those vegetables at home. I say, right, because you don't cook them. And children know better. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I bring women here and I feed them nourishing herbal infusion and cooked vegetables. And within six days, major changes are happening. Like what? Improved energy, improved mood, improved skin tone, less desire for sweets, even Steady blood sugar. Incredible energy. What do you want to add to that, Sarah Ellen? Gosh, it's 
It's definitely true. Um, bone health for sure. I love when you say you bounce and you don't break because I know without infusions, I would have broken a leg at least twice in my life. So blessed be infusions, um, everything, vitality. It feels like a wilted plant coming to life when you pour water on it and you watch it before your eyes sprout back up. It really feels that nourishing, that fast. Yeah. Yeah. Because once you start to mineralize, the changes happen rapidly. Okay. Okay. The immune system runs on minerals. The hormonal system runs on minerals. The nervous system runs on minerals. So when you mineralize, it's like the great braid, which is I call what I call the interplay between hormones, immune system, and nerves. Great braid is suddenly getting the nourishment it needs, and so everything gets healthier. Wow, that is, that's beautiful. So a quart of nourishing herbal infusion a day. Okay. How much water are you drinking right now? Oh, I drink a lot of water. Um, I would like to see that. I would like to see that be zero. Zero water? Zero water. Water is the worst possible thing to drink. The whole idea that you're supposed to drink a lot of water was made up by an advertising executive to sell bottled water. It's not valid. Let's think this through. Every cell in your body is protected by a membrane, and that membrane is made of fat. It's a lipid layer, in fact, a double lipid layer. One lipid that is hydrophobic and one that is hydroscopic, one that loves water and one that hates water, so they kind of cling together. How, what's the interaction between fat and water? The fat floats. On so if you want to get something hydrated that's surrounded by fat and you pour water on it, what happens? Does it get wet? Right! Water is the worst possible thing to drink. All it does is leach the minerals out of your body, causing you to pee and pee and lose minerals. And what I want is you to be mineralized. Oh, my goodness. So I've been doing everything in reverse. You have been doing everything wrong, but that's okay. The human body is pretty resilient. But why do I feel healthier than most of my... Um... Because it sounds like you cook for yourself. Yes, I do. Well, there you go. As soon as you cook for yourself, you're going to be healthier than 99% of other people. And it doesn't even matter what you cook for yourself. Just the fact you're cooking for yourself is going to make you healthier. You can be cooking steaks and still be healthier. Wow. This is absolutely amazing. It's such an eye-opener because I really thought I was doing some good to myself. 
by... I have taken so many people off water, and they continue to thank me years and years and years later. So they're just uh, drinking the infusions then? Correct. A quart of nourishing herbal infusion a day. You like to get up in the morning and have a cup of coffee? Have a cup of coffee. You want to have a cup of green tea or some matcha at some point or end the day with a chocolate coffee tea and chocolate are good herbs you can certainly have a cup or two of any one of them in addition to your quart of infusion um so but okay so you um just a quart is enough of the infusion the human body unless in severe circumstances only needs two quarts of fluid a day. One quart comes in through the food we eat. Therefore, we only need to drink another quart. Now, if you are at very high altitude where it's extremely dry, you'll need to drink more. If you're at a place where it's extremely hot, over 100 degrees, and you're sweating a lot, you'll need to drink more. But your average person in a reasonable environment is healthiest with a quart of infusion a day and one, most two cups of some other beverage. So you're saying the green tea? Green tea is wonderful. Yay, catechins, huh? Yes. <laughs> I, I make a really concentrated matcha. I do a tablespoon of matcha powder. You know, and I do it with hot water to get like get it thinned out and put that into a quart of cold water and I have that in the refrigerator and, and I drink about a quarter cup of that every morning. That's part of my um the cancer is gone and we're n- never dancing with that again routine, which is yeah, I'm drinking matcha every day. You bet. I have about a quarter of a cup of matcha, a quarter of a cup of kava, um, because kava root, I find for me, one of the best um, pain reliefs for skeletal muscle pain. And then the other half of the glass is whatever the infusion of the day is. And that's my morning beverage. And that's for muscular um, pain? Cover root. Cover root, yes. Relieves musculoskeletal pain. For me, very, very well. I've certainly seen it work for quite a few other people as well. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. This is amazing. I, I was talking today about the three traditions, about how the scientific tradition um, sees herbs simply as the source material for drugs. And how the heroic tradition sees herbs as drugs with green coats on or supplements. And the wise woman tradition sees herbs as companions and nourishers in the way. So by using nourishing herbal infusions, we were able to get the highest quality nutrition on the planet. Yeah, I, I, I'll definitely um, make it and leave it overnight tonight for my... Um, yes. 
Do you have a scale to the nettle? I'll, I'll look for the scale. I haven't pulled it out in a long there time. There you go. But you do have one. Yes, we do have one. So right. Look, look for, look for it, and see. Um, right, and most of them have a T A R E function, a tear function, and you put the jar, the quart jar, on the scale, then push that T A R E, and it'll take away the weight of the jar, and you can just put the herb into the jar on the scale until it comes to an ounce. How's that for oh. easy? Oh, what what function am I meant to look for on the scale again? What is it called? T A R. T A R E tear. Tear, okay, okay. All right. Wow. So and then, of course, the next the next morning, you strain the infusion, <coughs> squeeze the spent plant material, put you it in your compost. You can I always drink it. You don't want to eat the plant material because all the nourishment is now in the liquid. Yes, when you make tea, it's all still in the leaves. You have to eat it to get maybe 2% of it. But you make oh, an infusion. Yeah. You make an infusion with the ounce of the dried herb. There's very little left in that herb. It's all in the infusion. You'll see the infusion will be almost as dark as coffee. Oh, okay. Because it's so mineral rich and they're so dark and rich in color. Okay. Not every one of them, but the stinging nettle. I think that's what you're going to be making. You said you were going to be making tonight. Yes, that's what I'll, I'll be making because I. Right. Um, and then, so is this the same thing? What about oat straw? I know you, you mentioned that before. Same thing. An ounce of oat straw in a quart jar fills the top with boiling water, tightly lid, steep overnight, strain it out, put the spent herb in your compost pile or throw it on the lawn, put the liquid in the refrigerator. You don't have to drink it cold if you don't like it cold, but it needs to be kept cold. And how long does it last? Depends on how cold you keep it. Okay. In in general, I don't expect an infusion to last for more than a couple of days. Okay, because that's, for me... Um when I would keep mine in, I would have drink it. I would taste it differently if I had it after three days. That's what I'm saying, two days, right? Yeah. I'm saying for more than two days, so. Okay. Uh, and But the oat straw also has a component that kind of like makes you a little bit sleepy. For me. That's why we have the expression feeling your oats. Okay. Sure doesn't make horses sleepy, does it? No. It makes horses frisky. And then what about that other expression, sowing your oats? Yes. Is that sleepy? No. It's in bed, but it ain't sleepy. No, yes. Oats is for frisky bedtime behavior. Oh, okay. All right? Okay. Which is not to say that oats is not amazingly calmative to the nervous system. It is. 
And so if you've been mistaking nervous agitation for energy, you will might feel sleepy. But once you start actually getting minerals, you will feel your energy in a very different way. Okay. So this, um, I've never, I'm trying to think back. I grew up um, in in Africa, and um, we we used to cook on the with the with the um, with the earth pots and um, make our beans for a long time. They'd cook for hours, um, even vegetables, and make soups that way. But we never. Um, um, we rarely cooked the kale as fast as you. I mean, as long as you're saying, um, only when we we're making some sort of soup. Um, and I always just love to have them when they're bright green. So you're saying I've got, I've taken nothing from that. Right. I'm saying that that bright green is chlorophyll, and chlorophyll is unusable by the human body. Okay. As a matter of fact, if you'll track it, you'll see it in your toilet bowl. <laughs> I have, I have. I say, if you're if you're eating your greens green, I want you to eat some, and I want you to track it until you see that green in your toilet bowl. And then I want you to cook your greens for an hour, and I want you to track it and see if there's no green in your toilet bowl. Okay. So what are we doing? We're like saving a nutrient so you can flush it. No. All right, I will I will make that change and start to um cook them. I just um have just grown up. Right. So um, we're talking about three, we're talking about three things. You're going to stop drinking water. You're going to yes. make and drink nourishing herbal infusion instead and you're going to cook your vegetables. Mhm. And if you want to take some skullcap tincture because you have pain, you can do that. But you're talking about it being joint pain, so kava, and what I do is I make a kava infusion, and there's nothing really nourishing in the kava infusion. There's some minerals, uh, but there's a lot of cavalactones and other things in there. So I use one ounce in a quart jar, fill it at the top with boiling water, and then I just use a little bit of that. Remember, I'm just using a quarter cup of it every day. And so that's... That stays in the refrigerator for a long time because it's not going to spoil, like the nettle, which has protein. Right, so I'm just having a little bit of that kava. I also uh, personally, for me, um, find that CBD, both tincture of cannabis and CBD oil taken internally, um, have helped me through some pretty heavy pain episodes. I okay. think they said they put in over 300 stitches in me. Oh, my goodness. I, I was in surgery for 17 hours. What, was this for, for you, what surgery was this for? To remove my cancer. You got <clears throat> cancer? Yes. Oh my goodness! Wow! And yours was also breast. Oh no! It was the same cancer that killed my mother. Oh my goodness! Human papillomavirus in the rectum. 
Oh, my goodness. Actually, it was isolated in a lymph node, and there was no spread of any kind to any other lymph node, and no metastatic process, which I put down to the mushrooms, the huge amounts of medicinal mushrooms that I eat and took. And um, they said that radiation would destroy it. And I went through six weeks of torture, and it made the cancer very angry, and it began to grow even faster. What? In fact, when they did an image on May 8th, it was seven centimeters, and when they removed it surgically on May 13th, five days later, it was eight and a half centimeters. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow, huh? Oh, wow. It's unbelievable. And people looked at me and they said, you were the last person that I would ever think would have a cancer diagnosis. I said, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Right? I live an exemplary life. It's the best thing. It doesn't matter. Cancer is the worthy adversary. I remember Sister Rosalie Bertel telling us 40 years ago, she looked at us and she said, one out of every three of you in this room is going to die from cancer from what we're doing right now. She was wrong. It's probably more like two out of three. Wow. That's why organic isn't that important. We're in a soup of it. It's in every breath. It's in all the soils. It's in all the water. There's no escaping it. When I was teaching in Alaska, there was a crew there from UCLA, and they were doing environmental studies at UCLA. And so they had looked at several environmental uh, pollutants in the air, water, and soil in the L.A. basin, and they thought, let's go to Alaska where there won't be any, and we can, like, see what the difference is. And what they found was it was ten times greater in Alaska. Ten times? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. In a way, it's very horrifying and depressing that there is no place to run. That's unbelievable. You had mentioned something about your um, medicinal mushrooms. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I eat mushrooms. Let me let me check in with Sarah. Sarah Ellen, how many people have their hand raised? When this woman came on, it was just her. So, I'm sorry. Yes, we have one. We have one other caller with their hand raised right now. Okay. One. So I'll talk very briefly about medicinal mushrooms. So tell me, you said that you've been consuming mushrooms. Yes, I have. Wonderful. The very early studies that were done, gosh, over 75 years ago now, and they were all. Um, Petri dish studies, right? So they took cancer cell lines and they introduced um, mushroom extracts to these cancer cell lines in Petri dishes. And what they found was that every mushroom basically killed every kind of cancer, including the white mushrooms that you buy at the supermarket. Oh. So are there then, can you like get finer and more specific? Possibly. Turkey tail certainly has 
had several strong studies, double-blinded, showing that women who took turkey tail were more likely to survive their breast cancer than women who took the placebo. And the effect was stronger at higher doses. And this is a this is a kind of mushroom? Turkey, turkey tail is a kind of mushroom, and what was actually used was the mycelium of the mushroom rather than the mushroom itself. And Paul Stamets at Fungi Perfecti um, is the one who has popularized the use of mushroom mycelium. And more and more I come to understand the heart of what he is doing. And I want to finish by saying my very first love in nature was mushrooms. And I spent a lot of time with the mushrooms, studying them, drawing them, coming to learn them. But I didn't want to teach people about mushrooms. I didn't want to teach people about mushrooms because I didn't want people to make a mistake. And I didn't want anybody's death on my karma sheet. And I didn't want to teach people about mushrooms because I felt that they were in need of protection. And people are going a little mushroom crazy. And my woods, where I used to be able to take people out and point out a variety of different medicinal mushrooms, are almost completely stripped bare now by people that I don't even know. And you can get a mushroom that I was taught was only used maybe once in a lifetime in great extremis at Starbucks now. When mushroom is that? Chaga. Chaga. Chaga, the mushroom that takes 100 years to grow. And so when I was taught about this, what I was taught was that you don't use chaga. Except maybe once in a lifetime. And that's not just once for yourself in a lifetime. That's once for yourself as an herbalist for all the people that you see in that lifetime. Maybe there'll be one situation in which Chaco would be the thing to choose. Right? And now, Starbucks. So, yes, mushrooms are wonderful. Include as much mushrooms as you possibly can in your diet in every way except in pills and supplements. And that's the very last thing I'll say before I say goodbye, which is if taking any supplements of any kind, I pray for you to stop. Because they feed cancer. Supplements are not real foods. You will be getting more than what you need in terms of vitamins, minerals, and all kinds of plant constituents from your nourishing herbal infusions. Throw those pills away, or hey, it's the holiday season. Wrap them up and give them to somebody you don't like much. Green blessings. All right. Um, I'm not sure she, that caller was still on the line, but um, we'll, we'll go on to the next caller. I didn't hear her coming through vocally anymore. Okay. Okay. 
We have another caller calling in from the 208 area code. From the 208, you are live on the line with Susan. Hello. Hi. 209, are you there? In the 208, Hmm. can you hear us? Well, let me mute them and see if I can reopen that line. Um, showing the line. Is Hi, can you hear open? me now? Yes, now we yes. can hear you. Hi. I had my cell phone muted. I apologize for that. So my name is Tabitha. I have called you a couple times. I'm at work waitressing right now, but it's super dead at my restaurant, so I have a moment. And I have some things to talk about. Um Mainly, it's my skin right now that I've been battling some psoriasis outbreaks with. And so a little bit about me and my skin is um, I do drink the infusions for the past couple years now. And I eat a lot of Mexican food. I work at a Mexican restaurant, so could add in some more cooked greens, definitely. But um, I try to live pretty much cook my own food, whole foods, besides when I'm at work and I do eat the canola oil that they cook in here, so I need to bring in my own oil to be have my food at least cooked with. But uh, mainly when I was 16, my dad passed away, and I'm 28 now this month. But when I was 16, my dad kind of went through an organ failure, and it was really a drastic death. And pretty much a few months after that is when I first broke out all over in psoriasis, and I never had anything or knew what it was before that. So I pretty much woke up one day with it, and then I had to do a lot of um, realizing what it was. And for a while, I thought I would stay away from nightshade vegetables and red meats and all that, but I don't really think now. But it did kind of all clear up for the last um, at least kind of few years. It's been pretty good. And then my brother passed away a couple years ago, and he had muscular dystrophy, and it was another horrible long drug out griefing death and I kind of had quite a few patches break out again like the same thing and I worked on that that was like last year and then recently I left my 10-year relationship so I think that was a lot of grief also and so now I'm struggling again with some big patches kind of on my knees and my elbow has a patch and I have a few little patches on my arm, and I'm a bartender at the Mexican restaurant, so I definitely want to have my skin. And so I know about doing like a comfrey bath. I need to do a little bit more comfrey and oat straw and oatmeal, which I haven't really enough, but it seems like my skin just gets so thick so fast. And I have this um, type of cream, because I have used something like Rebecca's Comfrey Salve, And it was nice. It just seemed like it doesn't keep my skin moist enough. And so in the past, I had gotten this. It's not all natural, but it was a natural kind of like ointment that I got from uh, like a co-op. But it does have essential oils in it, so I don't like it. And I know it's not very good for me, but it seems to help thin my skin. So that's what I've been using, but I want to... I'm pretty much out of this, so I'm like, I want to steer away from using it because I don't want to use essential oils, but I have noticed that it does kind of help really thin out my skin because it just gets so 
sick with leaving even a couple hours. Yeah. Seems like it'll just. And so it's I been was, a I really actually, problem for me. Actually, with one of my sweethearts who lived in Florida, and we were laying there together. It was kind of a hot day, and I started crying. And he said, "What on earth are you crying about? It's such a beautiful day." And I said, "I'm crying because my elbows are ugly." Yeah, and of course he laughed. Oh, he laughed at me. I actually intended for him to laugh at me because it was kind of a silly thing to say. But, but right. it was what I was crying about because my elbows were rough and red and ugly. Right. And I have a, I know exactly what yeah, you mean. My elbows patch on my knee. So yes, I can't get naked. Right. It wasn't like an actual outbreak, but they weren't. They weren't nice elbows. Right. So right. I was crying about that because, hey, you know, it was a nice relaxing day and I didn't have anything else to do. And he said, yeah. oh, he said, oh, you know, he laughed and then he said, stop whining and go to the freezer and get the shea butter. Mm-hmm. And I am a shea butter devotee ever since. Mm-hmm. And you put, I find that that shea butter it does exactly what you're saying. It makes the skin really right. flexible and thins it out, and you can get unscented shea butter. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely definitely check that out because I've liked shea butter, so I yeah try shea that. butter. Yes, yeah, somehow it sounds like it would be a familiar thing to you, or possibly coconut mm-hmm. oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've used the coconut oil and the olive oil a lot. It just seems like, and it does moisturize it, but it doesn't do that. There's something I, I wanted to bring thinning. in, right? Yeah, like, because the stuff that I use, I kind of wanted to read the ingredients to you so I could kind of find out maybe what is helping it because I know it smells bad, like essential oils, and it's not good for my skin. So that disturbs me, but right, right. it is. But I agree out. with you, yeah. Yeah, figure out what the ingredients are and try them out one by one and see if there's mm-hmm. one right. of those that's like really important in there for you. Right, yeah, that's what I'll so, have to do. I also want to uh, join you in thanking your skin. Mm-hmm. Because every, yeah, time, definitely... every time there's a big loss in your life, your skin really takes it. Yeah, that's what it's just the grief, like nothing else is what really hits it. Right. Sure it's like your skin is going to do that grief for you. Mm-hmm, for sure. Really powerful. Wow, what a what a generous thing for your skin to do. Yeah, yeah, and so it is kind of just letting it give it time. I think too, because the heart needs time and grief needs time, and my skin is just going to take time to heal. I know, but <laughs> yes, because it because it's really saying. Um, it, it, I think that the words you're using are just exactly right. Whenever we have a loss, um, it's almost like uh, an instinct or an impulse to tighten up and to get sick and to protect mm-hmm. ourselves against our loss. And, of course, what, what all of the teachers say is, no, that's the very moment in which you need to break open and to be become thinner. Right. And that's what my skin needs to do. <laughs> Right. So that's exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. is, yes, you know, wow, my skin is taking that grief and it's like hardening up to protect me. And what I want is to let my heart break open to 
the joy as well as the grief of life. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yep. And so I, so I called you earlier this year about before I left my relationship, and I didn't quite leave it yet, and we were going to – we talked about maybe – doing the split and working on like setting a date and going to try to work on things and have him work on that and then possibly get back together. But that never worked out. So it's just a closed book now and next chapter and moving on. So I think that's what needed to happen anyways. And so that'll be new because I've been with the one partner since I was 17, right after my dad died. And so that's a big a big thing and so first time kind of ever being an adult it actually feels like I guess so it'll be a lot of big heart changes there's a really incredible joy in the freedom of living alone yes yes (laughs) and that's what my mom's a great inspiration of she has her property out on our little homestead that she's had for the last at least 10 years and she lives alone and I have my little place out there by hers. So it feels powerful that we can have a woman homestead and not have to feel like we're not creating our own things that we need, but it is hard work. (laughs) Yeah. So we definitely want to come to your farm and meet you. Me and my sisters have been planning it, but for now we're, we're in Idaho and getting ready for winter. So you better have gotten ready for winter a couple of months ago if you're in Idaho. <laughs> it's here. But we're, it's always, I think, day by day, we're still getting ready. Because <laughs> it comes but, on yeah, we, there. Yeah, it's going to be here till June. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it will be my first uh, winter alone. And I guess I can look at it as a little bit exciting. Because why not? Yes. Yes. Now, um, some people um, have told me that hypericum oil um, Mm -hmm. is very useful in treating places where there's psoriasis because it helps protect it from the sun. Mm -hmm. I do have my own hypericum oil, and that's the main thing I kind of do a lot. I use it a lot when I do not use my other stuff. But it's Got it. So that has, has been be. helpful for you as well. It has been. It's just, I mean, it keeps it moisture. It just doesn't. It's not really helping my overall problem. I can doesn't tell. Doesn't really. It's not gonna cure it. But yeah. It, no it might even just the olive oil and not the herb at all. Yeah, it kind of does the same. Even it's just. I don't think the oil is quite deep enough to get in there or something. Something really. And it's it, so, it helps. That's it so interesting. Better. You say that. Because in Australia, um, these Aboriginal women were talking to us about eucalyptus oil, and I asked how they had made it, and they, with olive oil, it was the eucalyptus leaves infused in olive oil, and then thickened with beeswax, and I looked at them, and I said, okay, well, olives and bees are not native to Australia, so before right. these, these, these white boy things, how did you make mm-hmm. ointments? And they said, mm-hmm. oh, they used kangaroo fat. Mhm. Mm-hmm. The kangaroo fat took the healing to the bone marrow. Yeah, that's what I mean. And it just gave me chills when she said that, and I said, "Oh my goodness!" I said, "And then what happened?" Mm-hmm. She said, "And we weren't allowed to kill any kangaroos." And I right. said, "So did you <laughs> right. using olive oil?" Then she said, "No, we used emu oil." 
Uh-huh. I read about the emu oil with the psoriasis in the beginning. It definitely was something that I remembered recently. Yeah. She said that mm-hmm. the emu oil feeds it to the surface of the bone, but it can't go into the marrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I will recheck on that again as well. Cause when I first got it, I was just teen and lost in kind of research and really freaking out back then because I was a teenager. <laughs> so, but... So, but I and there, remember there's reading a fair about, amount of stuff about emu oil, yeah. Yeah. So, and what do you um, think about thank the you, diet? Thing thank you, Anne, for, for telling us from the ancient portals to remember emu oil. Yes, certainly. Much. Right. Oh, and, and, of course, one of the fun things to do is to, you know, shake it up. Don't just make your herbal oils in olive oil. Use emu oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it for especially right. for I'm gonna be really some emu oil if you're medicine. making your own. For my skin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, for sure. So do you think that diet plays too much in it? Like when I first read about it it was like stay away from the nightshades, like the eggplants and the tomatoes and things like that, but then I totally stopped thinking that way and eat whatever I want usually and try to just have it be good nourishing food. But I still am just kind of wondering if maybe I'm, my skin I'm with, is. I am. I do not like food foibles. Right, for sure. <laughs> so some people say, well, you know, I'm fine with tomatoes if I have it without the seeds and the skins. And hey, you know, I understand that. When I make mm-hmm. tomato sauce, I put it through a Foley food mill and get rid of the seeds and the skins to nicer tomato sauce. The skins, mm-hmm. again, if you track those skins, your body's not doing anything with it except just depositing them. So, right. so once you've cooked, once you've cooked it, and there are lectins and other things in the seeds and the skins, which, especially, I'm told by people of color, are more problematic for people of color. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. real what we're talking about here is that. The edible nightshades, potatoes, tomatoes, mm-hmm. peppers mm-hmm. are new yeah, world Yeah, stay plants. away from pepper. And the, old, the old world nightshades are really poisonous. Some can even poison you if you just touch it. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of fear about nightshades that came from the new world. Tomatoes were grown as ornamentals for over a hundred years in Italy before anyone ever dared to eat one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny. Peppers are still grown as ornamentals, aren't they? Yep. <laughs> yes, they are. Right. And you say you stay away from from peppers. Yeah, um, I think I got it from not you. Easy. That's not easy that. to do if you eat Mexican. There's a lot of peppers and pepper in Mexican right. food. Yeah. <laughs> I eat pretty much just the more mild Mexican food, but I'm sure I get some of it from working here. But that's what I was just thinking. Since I had the psoriasis, it was probably needed to stay away from hot, spicy, and inflaming things. So I did cut out even, like, all black peppers and things like that. But it is, like, for you. I, I, for me. It makes sense to me. Yes, that's what so, I thought. And I don't miss it. Once you just got rid of it, I didn't miss it anymore. So I was like, yeah. As a matter of fact, it becomes really startling when it gets in your food. It's like, oh, what's this weird taste? Yeah, 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 you for sure notice it a lot more. Mm -hmm. So, well, so I I think that you're really quite 
um, that there's probably not a lot of dietary connections so long as you're eating a good diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't want to say to somebody who's, uh, my daughter has somebody who works for her who seems to subsist on numerous cups of coffee in each one. He puts about five teaspoons of sugar. Yeah. No, 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 right. that. no. <laughs> that's, that's not a really good diet. <laughs> no, no, no. If he had a health problem, we might say that he needed to change his diet. Right. Right. Yeah. Overall, I think I do have a pretty good diet. Overall. I did cut out good. all alcohol when I first got it as well, too, and I slowly started drinking a little bit more now that I'm a bartender. I didn't know if maybe that was part of it, too, but I really don't drink that much either. So I was thinking really just moderation, alcohol, moderation, anything if I do eat it bad and probably more just focusing on listening to my skin and my heart is what I'm thinking since it feels very connected to my no, heart that sounds each time so right happens. Me. Yeah, oh, absolutely good. Right. I'm glad to be reassured. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think that you I think you got this. Wonderful. Yep. I'm going to have to. It's the only option. Go ahead. Well, you know, <laughs> we all get something that we get to play with, as I say in the uh, uh, the storyline for uh, Healing Wise, is that um, yes. initially, of course, there was no disease of any kind, but we got so bored we had to make up disease so that we would have something to do. Yeah, and it really has been kind of what triggered me at 16 to take the healing path to learn my stuff. So I'm thankful. There you go. Again, thanks to your skin, which is so visible. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's, that's what's hard right now with being first time by myself and maybe wanting to be with other people, there's just no way I'm going to be able to until I have pretty skin. So I'm having a hard time. It's like, hmm, it's becoming a struggle because I'm not going to want to let someone see me without, I don't know. So that maybe it's just it's who I'm going to let see me as well while I'm in this transition. But <laughs> it's definitely been tricky. I certainly hear that. Yes, so... But I will definitely check out the emu oil and continue maybe to just do some more journaling and body work. That's That sounds good. And, of course, um, burdock is saying, don't forget me. Yes, and so I did order some burdock in the past. I still have just the – I haven't really found my own burdock. And my sister has showed it to me once or twice, so I need to get – more connected on my own for sure, but I did order some just from like the online co-op, and so I'll add in some more infusions. You see, see, right. so you can make some uh, make some burdock infusion, infusion, have it around, and you know, eat burdock or infusion and like burdock oil. Burdock oil yeah. can be used externally, but I'm really thinking burdock internally. Infusion, okay, because that's what I have the infusion. Yeah. I have the herb already at home to make an infusion, and I just haven't right. really. Yeah, and you can just keep it in the refrigerator. And again, like I'm doing with the kava, just like a quarter of a cup or half a cup a day. Mm -hmm. Adding it in with the other infusions. I will do that then. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. You're welcome. Always wonderful to have you. 
Yep, wonderful to have you available, and I will be making my way to your farm sooner than later. Be excited. All right, to see yay. You. <laughs> Green blessings, good night. Thank you so much. Green blessings. All right, and we have one caller who has raised their hand, and you're calling in from the 412 area code. From the 412, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. I Hi. Am calling, I'm calling tonight. Thank you so much for taking my call. I, you're always very reassuring for me, and um, I had a cat bite my hand about 12 days ago now. And I'm, uh, you know, and it was pretty red and swollen for the first five, six days. And then basically uh, I thought it was getting better and better. And I'm not too worried about infection at this point. Um, Then I am now, you know, I guess like it's day 12 and it's still, I'm having trouble closing the hand and I'm having you know, I'm just beginning to be like, I wonder whether I should be doing something to check whether or not, like, I did any damage to tendons or ligaments. So that's mostly where I'm at is, like, do I want to do something like an ultrasound or an MRI? And my guess is that it's not severe enough to – I don't think I'm particularly interested in surgery, and I'm I'm not – like, it doesn't feel that severe. And my, my limited research the last couple of days, like, as it's been – Feel painful has been has suggested that if it's a minor tear, it's basically just like a like don't use it for several weeks. Um, so I'm sort of curious whether you might where you would go in terms of diagnosis, and then also like whether a splint versus movement, um, kind of guarded uh, focused movement. So I'd love to hear some perspectives that you have. What part of your hand did the cat bite? Um, pretty much kind of right below the pinky, about maybe one inch down from there, and then right at the knuckle um, in the ring finger. Uh, so kind of oh, two, just, just under your there. small finger and at the inner knuckle of the ring finger. Two different bites. Yeah. Or, right. And did the teeth pierce through all the way through? Uh, it was a it was a pretty deep um, side. Was pretty it pretty deep? deep, deep. Mm-hmm. Um, How long did you soak it for initially? I did not. Okay, it, it, it's a good thing for us all to remember that when there's a deep wound, a puncture wound especially, um, there's always a risk of tetanus. Tetanus okay. is a very common organism. Uh, people think, oh, rusty nail, tetanus does not have to be a rusty nail. If you okay. have like a cat bite and you get your hand in the soil, there's tetanus in all, all soil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And tetanus is an an aerobic grower. In other words, it needs to be in the absence of oxygen. And that's why a bite is a place where tetanus can grow. And that's why when they sew up a wound at the emergency room, they give you a tetanus shot because they've made 
a place for tetanus can grow by sewing up the top of it. So anytime we have that kind of wound, by soaking it, we make sure that oxygen can flow into it. Because okay. those wounds tend to seal up across the top. And that's why there's the risk of infection. And we see that in cats who fight, right? That they get abscesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So it's not just tetanus. There's other bacteria. So if, the, if it's a wound and then it heals or seems to heal, but there's bacteria under there, then it can cause an abscess or, or worst case scenario, tetanus. Um, which, if not treated, is certainly lethal. So soaking is a really good idea for any wound, at least initially. And if I can't actually soak it, what I will do is um, put band-aids or some kind of bandage on it and then soak that... So that I'm walking around with the wound wet, right? Am I being clear? Yes. Yeah. So just so that there's, you know, so that there's like moisture constantly on it. It is not probably too late, even though it's a long time. Um, If you have... some sense that it needs that. What I have found in terms of the medical profession with um, tears in the fascia, in the ligaments, in the tendons, is that healing those things naturally results in stronger and more flexible tissues. Great. And, and it's kind of funny because some of the wisdom you just shared around, um, like I, I, I had that sort of primitive understanding that I didn't want to like put a comfrey poultice on to like heal the puncture wound from the surface because then an infection could, could kind of be deeper in if I healed it too quickly on the top. So I didn't exactly. uh, poultice it. But, and, I, and I was kind of, putting yarrow tincture as an anti-infective and I was doing some hydrogen peroxide and I was, I was washing it pretty regularly. So I wasn't soaking it. And I, I appreciate that, that understanding of like, Oh, that could have helped oxygenate the area and, and would mitigate risk around tetanus and, um, yeah. and just yeah. other ab- abscess infections. Um, so I, I literally just today, made a comfrey infusion to, to start a poultice, um, to say, but like the, the wound has closed probably in the last, probably even three days ago. So at this point, I'm not real, I'm not particularly concerned about infection, although I, I, I am ignorant as to what an abscessed infection would look or feel like, um, but I, I am now you, beginning you to could get, I mean, you could get from a cat bite what's called blood poisoning. But it would have already happened. Okay. Great. And usually when you get blood poisoning, 
if there's a site, and that's one of the reasons why I ask you where you were bitten, so it's a pretty obvious site. Blood poisoning would look like a red streak going toward your heart, so in this case, up your arm from the site. Okay. Great. And it's possible for a woman to have blood poisoning um, where she can't see it, like if there's an infection in her uterus. Okay. And this is where it's scary, right? Because she can't really... There's not a sight that she can see, so the blood poisoning can get very severe to the point of her losing consciousness before it's Mm -hmm. recognized what's happening. But with what's going on here, you can see what's going on. It's not like it's not going to up on you. Okay, great. I was monitoring it, and I I was happy that the like the swelling, the redness, any kind of markings were just kind of slowly receding. So I. I do feel yeah. like the infection is probably clear, and so that's great. I mean, that, that that eases my spirit, and then I'm, and then in terms of lin- ligament or tendon damage, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Like you know, letting that heal naturally. I'm imagining comfrey poultice would be good, and then would you recommend like um, intentional movement? Like I, I'm just now beginning to be able to like grip a, a full glass of water. Um, like or infusion rather, um, but like, is that? Would do you think I should well, try that, you know, the hand? When when I, when I was in surgery for so long, they put lines in my right arm, and I came under there, and my right hand was almost totally dysfunctional. Uh-huh. And the, what the physical therapist had me do was to squeeze a soft ball. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And nice. then as I started to get some strength back, we made that ball a little bigger and a little firmer until at last I could, like, even squeeze a tennis ball. Now I can even open, like, jar lids. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, I've when I have wanted help with healing specific the ligament, tendon, or fascial tears, I have always at least initially asked someone who's really wise in those things to get me started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a couple of times uh, the person said, oh, well, your fascia is just twisted and went like untwist, untwist. And I said, so now what do I need to do? And they said, you're fine. And I, like, tested it out, and I was fine. Uh, uh. Right. So, yeah. And the more I've learned about fascia, uh, the more fascinating it is, being as how it connects everything to everything, um, that it's so thin. It's like that inner onion skin, not the crinkly ones, but the little thin membrane between the juicy layers um, and when it's damaged it doesn't heal flat it heals twisted and lumpy right 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 so then there's some specific moves that can be used to help straighten it back out all right yeah, thanks so much for your call 
Thank you very much, Susan. Good night. Good night. I want to introduce our guest tonight, Sarah Ellen. Sarah Ellen is a student of life. Sarah Ellen is a a woman that I have known for some years now, and I have seen her emerge into a greater and greater fullness. It has been thrilling and fascinating to watch her seek out, recognize, and fill out into her own possibilities. I'm so glad you're with us, Sarah Ellen. Oh, blessed be. Wow, my heart is just dancing. It means a lot to to hear you say that. And thank you. Thank you. I am so grateful and, you know, being at your place and, and um, learning so much wisdom from you has certainly been a huge part of my emergence and my claiming of my wholeness. And I'm so glad that I've um, made the choice to open entirely to myself. This world, this whole universe is so much more amazing, so much more robust when I take the limits off. So blessed be. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes, it was on a, a summit today. I think it's the call of the wild feminine. And um, you know, someone said, well, we were talking about, you know, speaking up and what happens with hot flashes and the thyroid. And um, she said, well, you know, um, women, uh, I, I like it when, when people talk about themselves by using some other third person there, right, women, um, are often reluctant to say something that will be disturbing or upsetting to others. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I hear this more than occasionally, and I'm always curious. I'm not saying that it's impossible to be empathetic or intuitive, but it seems to me that most of the time what that woman is really saying is, this is disturbing and upsetting to me. Mm. And so I don't want to talk about it. Because it it is, you know, if something happens and you feel slighted or you feel like uh, that, you know, that wasn't right or whatever it is, you do feel disturbed and you do feel upset. And we haven't generally been shown good ways to talk about that, share that, evidence that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Is this something that has changed for you over the past 10 years, that you speak hmm. up more often? Oh, what a fun, interesting question. So um, <clears throat> I speak up um, with greater awareness, and I speak speak up more um, from a heart-centered place. I actually have, for most of my life, not had a problem speaking up. 
Um, and that sometimes even caused havoc in my family of origin, caused havoc sometimes at school. I had I was the kid in kindergarten who argued with the teacher because periwinkle blue was still blue. And her insistence that I must use the blue crayon wasn't going to fly with me. So from, you know, before then and on, um, I actually been pretty good about speaking my mind. Um, but I realized I actually took myself too far from um, living living in wholeness, which is for me um, a very heart-centered place. Um, I had become really used to being able to use words and my mind um, to navigate situations like, and sometimes even became very sharp-tongued um, and ended up isolating myself in some ways and um, not allowing people to see my true vulnerability. So um, for me, I actually learned kind of how to speak up um, in a way that was more effective for both myself the situation and leaning into a difference and kind of opening it up to fertile ground for something new rather than seeing it as an opportunity to conquer someone else's opinion or belief um, because I was willing to speak the loudest and the sharpest. (laughs) (laughs) So I can still do that. Mind you, I don't know if you recall when I was at your place, um, you, there was another apprentice there, and um, she was working on, um, she was talking a bit about chakras, and you had asked her at dinner to um, speak to me, um, and um, you gave me the option to respond from any chakra that I chose, and it was very powerful. I responded from my root chakra, and it felt really good. Um, it also felt felt pretty familiar um, for me. And while it wasn't for the other apprentice, um, it was an opportunity for me to then ask myself later, hmm, what would it look like for me to respond from another chakra? And so playing with that for the last, since 2014, has been really fun and really expansive and has helped me get to know the cards in the deck a lot better. (laughs) For sure. Yes, it was always one of my favorite exercises when I did classes on chakra work was to have people pair up and one person was the boss and one person was the employee and the boss fires the employee and they have to fire them from the root chakra, they have to fire Mm -hmm. them from the heart chakra and they have to fire them from the third eye chakra. And initially, the employee has to respond with the same chakra. But then, the employee, but not the boss, can move to a different chakra. Ah. Right, so the boss might say, you know, in the root chakra, um, bottom line is sales aren't good, have to let you go. And your response from the root chakra might sound like something like, you can't let me go. I have to pay the, the mortgage. I have a, a payment on my car. You can't do this. Mm-hmm. 
and it's going to be a, a tug of war there. And as you say, that's where, like, might is right, huh? Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, mm-hmm. that employee, you know, has the right to say, for instance, go to the heart chakra and say, wow, gosh, that must feel really bad that sales are down. It would feel really bad to me if you let me go. Maybe I could figure out a way to improve sales if you wouldn't let me go right now. Mm-hmm. And you see how disarming it is when you come at someone from a different chakra. Which, yes. Which sounds to me like what you've been exploring. Very much so. Very much so. And, and having the awareness and discernment to know and navigate when to pull, you know, which card or what situation calls for, for what type of engagement. And, um, you know, blessed be, there are those occasions when, you know, the wholeness is there. And that, that's, that's what, of course, my favorite is when everything is just all together and let my heart take the lead and everything else just is in the flow. So that that's where I have found the true magic over since, you know, really opening, choosing to go and be with you and staying open to everything and diving deeper and deeper. And um, it's just so powerful to live from that place. Um, I was thinking about it today and um, energy medicine for me has been such a place of exploration. Um, It has really opened I have really opened to seeing um, my physical body as um, an amazing opportunity for me to connect with so much that um, I found myself, you know, previously seeking from outside sources, whether it was, you know, a way to health and wellness or a way to understand connections to my ancestors or a way to work with plants or um, experience sound. So, um, yeah, I've come to really understand and appreciate my physical body and how I'm able to, the freedom I have, to really engage with being here, being alive, and taking that creative source of wherever I came from and enlivening it and um, not holding back to speak to what you started off with, you know, silencing ourselves um, and, and expanding energy to hold myself silent is something that I have really committed to not do. Um, it hurts my heart when I have something to share and, you know, the, some conditioned image-based part of me wants to jump in and say, shh, don't, don't rock the boat. Um, you know, this is it. There's, there's no dress rehearsal. So when I censor myself like that, I know that I am most likely withholding myself from some of the greatest openings that I could find for myself in my life. So I, I choose to move through that and trust that there's another rung on the ladder or that the rope may not look long enough, but if I stretch, it is. And, and those moments and what's on the other side of that reach 
has been so precious, and the rewards are just magical. Ah, <laughs> beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So today, I, you know, I, want, I was thinking, you know, how could I, how could I share a little bit, like practically, if, it, you know, if, if some of this type of thing became part of our conversation, and, um, you know, I, I love being in the car in the morning, and um, it's a great place to sing. So I have found that, for me, part of my energy medicine, um, there's, there is a time of day, um, and it's sunrise, and I've found that driving a car, um, and I don't know why, but I, I have a wondering if it's because my brain is somewhat occupied with the driving task. So um, I'm able to go into this space where I really feel um, the information and the wisdom and the connection, and it feels like things are percolating in from my blood and my bones, and it's valuable stuff. <laughs> so this morning I was, uh, I was singing car and I realized um, the song that I was singing is wild is the wind. And I realized um, that song, when I sing it to myself with the intention and sing it to my heart, as if I am courting my heart, it has a profound effect. So a suggestion for energy medicine um, is, you know, using my voice to, with intention, feel, because that vibration of my voice, as V. Budapest said, that was kind of probably the opener to this, was, you know, my head is a bell. So when I hum and having done that and experienced that now and appreciating where that can take me, I now have started using my voice, regardless of what it sounds like, it's more what it feels like, to actually reach in and touch my insides. And with intention and courting my heart feels so good and my heart loves it. So um, that's something that I think everyone can do. And it's a really, really powerful way to let your body know and the parts inside of you know how much you love them. (laughs) What a lovely image to court your heart. Oh, to treat your own heart as beloved. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. Yes. It it fills me up. Indeed. Mm -hmm. The plants give us so many entryways into wholeness. Mm. I do a meditative practice called the realization process. And one of the regular meditations has to do with the chakras and one of the things that goes along with that meditation is that so, so during the meditation, you might be at a particular chakra and you remember this chakra 
opens me my wholeness. Mm. Every opening is an opening to wholeness. There isn't any opening that isn't an opening to wholeness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The expansion um, in the color tonight, and talking about the skin and the, the, the softening effect, the thinning effect that the ointment had, um, you know, it, it expansion. And sometimes for me, it has been those profoundly painful times um, where in the midst of the sobbing and the crying, which tears are a whole nother precious gift that we're able to manifest um, in response to those feelings. So don't hold them back. Um, just the flow of wisdom that comes through, you know, it is just amazing. So it's like I have found myself, I'm not journaler, but um, during those times of loss, I find myself grabbing for any scraps of paper so often because the expansions that happen, um, the understandings, the, the capacity for greater wholeness um, through them is amazing. And, um, you know, my, my, one of my, my, my major allies in the plant world is poison ivy. So, uh, you know, it's absolutely it, it, the pain and the not always having things go the way you thought they should go. Um, you know, when you surrendering to that um, and really letting go of the expectations of what could have been and, and opening to the present of the moment, whatever that is, and turning allowing yourself to see the poison as a gift, which, as I said in my story back then, I found out they, they mean the same thing when translated from German. So it's just, it's so whole um, to, to lean into those times. And, and the gift is the expansion that comes from opening to those, to those painful times too. Yeah. yeah. And clarity, because it, we understand in the wise woman tradition that any portion of hologram is whole and you get the mm. whole picture. But as the original hologram is cut, um, it gets fuzzier and fuzzier. Well, yeah. And so as we, as we expand, what we're actually doing is taking back parts of ourselves that we've cut off. And that makes, that makes the image clearer, crisper, sharper. We can, suddenly we can get more detail. It's n- not that we're more whole because we're already whole. We can't be less than whole. But there's um, perhaps a greater joy or a greater benefit from it. Yeah. There's something, and for me, I've noticed that in the times where the expansion allows the expectations to fall away, in a sense where I haven't even necessarily noticed that the expectations have fallen away, it's just that open. It's like expectations don't even exist because there is only that moment. And then in the expansion of that moment, it's a good thing I didn't have any expectations because, wow, everything just got blown wide open and I couldn't have even written that script because 
Nobody ever told me anything worked like that. <laughs> so, um, yes, the expansion can really take me beyond what I might have, you know, thought or assumed to be the limits of a physical life and allow me to integrate the aspect beyond the physical into my physical existence by being willing to really expand into them without an expectation of what it's going to be like because nobody's really ever told me. (laughs) And that's the fun. We get to find out when we're willing to play. That's what Gordon said today at my voice lesson. He said, you cannot do this by the number step, step, step. He says, you must fling yourself over the precipice. (laughs) <laughs> Blessed be <laughs> good in <and> step five. <laughs> With all your heart over the precipice. <laughs> you don't be able to go over the edge, look at it a little bit, mm, smell it. Really? Really? Sling myself? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> but then eventually I do. Oh. <laughs> So beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. 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 What did you do with herbs this week? Ooh, that's a fun question. So this week I delighted in um, my first ever infusion that I made from nettle grown that I harvested. And oh, beautiful, oh, my heart. That's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. It was so delicious. I mean, nettle infusion is delicious. And this nettle infusion, oh, I've never tasted one so good. I love the ones at your house, too. But this one just, oh, my goodness. I could just, I could feel her in so many ways. So that was really fun this week with herbs um, and Looking forward to doing a bigger harvest next year. I, I kind of took it easy this year. I felt like I, I didn't just want to, you know, barge in here and have my way with everything. So I I, I just kind of stepped easy a little bit this year and um, developing the relationship. I feel like next year I've got a good go ahead. I did some seed spreading at the end of um you know, the season and and made sure, well, tried to assist in some habitat spreading. So hopefully um, there'll be more to the nettle family next year and um, do some more harvesting, but going to enjoy that harvest for sure. Yes, I try Um, not to talk too often or too much about how amazing your own homegrown herb is in infusion because it's a lot of work. It, it, and I don't want anybody to think that there's anything inferior about buying herb. I buy a lot of herb. I buy thousands of dollars worth of herb for infusion every year because I make a lot of infusion. And, of course, we harvest many of the herbs. I save those for myself for the winter time when there's nobody here. I say, mm-hmm. oh, I get it. But, it, you know, it, it does require some effort and uh, concentration to harvest it at the right time, get it hung up to dry, take it down at the right time, cut it up. Oh, yeah, da, 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 da. 
Um, but wow, so the reward is like so amazing. I'll tell you how warm it's been here. We harvested nettle for soup on Sunday. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. No, our nettle is so long gone here. I mean, wow, that's amazing because we're almost the same latitude. That is really interesting. Okay, wow. it was just the top. It was just the top four leaves, right? And you know, it's our nettle patch, right? The, my soup nettle patch, which yeah. I keep cut. It's cut like every three or four weeks. So there's always little bits of nettle growing there. And the bigger leaves are like black and frosted, but the little tender tops were there. And snip, 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 we got seven or eight ounces of tender nettle tops. Wow. Made a big pot wow. of soup with the stragglers. Ate it with some miso. Mm, winter good. Mmm, yum. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Wow. Mmm. Yeah. I think Today I always good... used to eat nettle soup in the spring. I'm so glad I have made nettle soup a year-round soup because it is so good. It is so good. And I've never had it with astragalus. That sounds phenomenal. I know how great it is with the miso, but wow, astragalus. Yeah, I just throw, you know, a few sticks of astragalus in there when I put the nettle in and let it boil up together. Mmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So yum. Yeah. 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 Wild foods, there's so many benefits. You know, you, you asked me about infusions during the show, and, you know, in addition to, the, I guess, what you would call measurable medical health benefits, I love the Oh, sorry, that's going to come on until the end. Um, I love the extra, um, the, the keys, the, the original keys that you talk about, and the way the wildness of the plants intertwines with the cells and the matrix within our body or whatever it's doing, it wakes things up within me. So having wild plants goes beyond the medicinal benefits. They truly do reconnect. Even in the ancestry work that I've been doing, um, you know, I, I asked, which is something the plants have taught me to do and you have taught me to do. And in asking, you know, I was told basically to work with it the same way as with the plants, you know, allow them, ask someone to step forward. And I know that my work with the plant has helped facilitate that because these plants are shared throughout our ancestral lineage. So the memories that these wild plants hold for us really do engage the inner workings of our physical being to help reawaken the memories and claim everything that is ours, all of our wholeness. So, yay, wild plants and infusions. Yay, wild plants. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Look at that. We've come almost to the end of the show. It's time for me to ask you what you want to leave in the hearts and minds of everybody who's listening to you tonight, Sarah Emma. I would say claim your wholeness and sovereignty and surrender all of your expectations to your heart. Thank you, Sarah Ellen, for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Wow, Justine, Monica, Jean, and David, what a big adventure you're about to embark on. We all send you with great joy in our hearts. And hey, you know who called and says hi to everybody, Rebecca Roselle. Oh, blessed be, Rebecca. Yeah, well, blessed be. We'll be back 
but next week and then the week after that, and then we're going to take a short break around the, the Christmas time um, so I can get some things done <laughs> that I've been putting on. <laughs> and I will let you know more specifically uh, about that, but we'll definitely be back here next Tuesday, everybody. Great blessings and good night. Good night.